What's up, friends? It's E, and welcome to a new episode of Midweek Rise Up. I pray that you're seeing God move and work in your life as you give gratitude and praise for the day that you're in. And I'm super passionate about the word for this week, as I believe it's something that we all struggle with trying to figure out. So as we head into the weekend, let's give ourselves a minute to just take a deep breath. Let's put our to-do list aside, just like last week, put our phone down, and unpack the word for this week together as we jump into the good news. The word for this week is calling. I don't know a more triggering word when it's turned into a question that fast tracks your stress levels. What is your calling? As a culture, we put such a heavy emphasis on finding your true calling or follow these steps on how to discover what your true calling is. And it's no surprise that there are shelves and shelves of books lined up in bookstores defining, describing, laying it out for you what a calling is and what it is to you. But are they helpful? Are they leading you down the right path or making you more stressed out and more frustrated because even after the 12 books that you've purchased and you've read, you still don't know the answer to the question? So what is it? Our calling, your calling, my calling. Are we born with it? Is it something God gave us and buried inside of our hearts for us to discover? What if I told you your career is not your ultimate calling? Your passions aren't either. And what if I told you there is a calling underneath that? I asked a dear friend and mentor of mine what he thought of the word for the week. And it was interesting. He said point blank without hesitation, I think we're called to die. And at first it left me speechless. And then he continued, we're called to die to ourselves. The moment we are saved, the older person who you once were dies and you become a new creation as it's written in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. And as a new creation, you have to choose daily to die to self, like selfish desires and selfish will. So where in scripture does it say this? In Luke chapter 9 verse 23, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And then in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. These verses also highlight the importance of humility, and I know we've talked about this word in a previous podcast episode, but humility is strength and and creates a space for you to graciously understand your own limitations, which you do have, while also honoring the fact that God has none. But what about the word itself, calling? And I, and I really want to push back on the worldly definition of calling and focus on it through a spiritual and biblical lens. Because the concept of a calling or vocation has really been a central theme in in Christianity. Yet it's ironic that we seek a calling in a callingless world, where people view jobs as just a paycheck and relationships as being random and, and unconnected. But when you deeply understand and recover the biblical sense of the word calling and vocation, every day becomes holy. And our lives count for something because God has a very specific direction in mind for each and every one of us. So let me put it this way. Your story absolutely has meaning and is part of a larger story, which is ultimately shaped by God. 
But here I want to start taking some notes. And throughout each section, I'm going to give you some reflection questions, if you will, so you can dig a little bit deeper during some quiet time after this episode. So grab a pen, piece of paper, favorite notebook, your phone, whatever you want to take notes on, and let's dig in. There are two different forms and distinctive types of a calling. There is a primary calling and a functional calling. And here's the difference. And before I dig into it, neither of these terms are found in scripture. It's just a helpful way of categorizing a very confusing theological concept. And it was actually, interestingly enough, the Puritans of American history that coined these phrases and distinguished these two aspects of a calling. But our primary calling as believers is first and foremost to God. This isn't a role. It's not a career. So let me repeat that. Your primary calling is not your job title or the accumulation of stuff that you acquire in this life. In the New Testament, it clearly states that your primary calling is to salvation and sanctification. You cannot be an effective Christian leader if you don't desire holiness and and worship Christ and surrender. God wants your heart. He wants you to seek and love him with all of it, every ounce of it, and that includes your mind and your soul because you are a living sacrifice. And within this primary calling, you have a daily calling to not only love God, but to love your neighbor as it's also written in Matthew 22. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8-9, through 9, Apostle Paul writes, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. But here again, I want to push back against this whole self-made, self-seeking, find your true calling industry that is basically built on doubling down on your strengths. But what about your weaknesses? Do they play a role in your calling? I say they absolutely do. Because what does the Bible say about the power and strength found in our weakness? That's right, that it has nothing to do with us. Apostle Paul directly talks about this in 2 Corinthians. He says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And I think that God really wired us this way so that he gets more of the glory out of us with things that we aren't good at or in moments of uncomfortability. So keep that in mind as we continue forward in this episode. So we talked about primary calling. And the second one is functional calling. And functional calling is how we live out our primary calling. And I have a bunch of different Bible verses that explain this as well. And it, and it ranges from Acts to Romans to Ephesians. So instead of reading them all off for the sake of time, I'm going to include them in the description of this podcast episode. So if you can't see the description, just email me and I'll send them to you. But remember, God's primary interest in your life isn't what you do. I know that's shocking, but it's not. God's primary interest in your life is who you are. And unfortunately, today we get wrapped up in the doing portion of life that we forget or minimalize the being part, especially in today's culture. But I mean, seriously, think about this. How many times do you or people around you usually jump to thinking about their career or life path or even marriage and relationships when talking about the call or will of God in their life? Which is interesting because God is not an employment agent. And I'm also pretty sure that he's also not a relationship matchmaker. So touching back on functional calling, Keep in mind that your secondary callings in life only matters because your primary calling matters most. Our second calling is our response to God's summons, and our work is to reflect God's work. As Apostle Paul stated, whatever you do, 
Work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for man. So here are some reflection questions with regard to primary calling. How do you live out your primary calling in your daily life? How do you serve others, strangers, your family, friends, the church with Christian love? You might say, okay, E, but what about my natural and spiritual gifts? What about my passions? Where do those fit in? And that is a great question. Totally understandable. First, never forget that you are called to God by God. There are no accidents when it comes to God's plan. And we serve a sovereign God. So when you truly grasp and understand his sovereignty, you also understand and believe that there is a specific fit between who you are and what God deeply desires for you to do. And a verse I love that epitomizes this is Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 through 16. And it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. But yes, we have natural and spiritual gifts. And the amazing thing is that when you serve others in the community, especially within the church, you'll better understand those gifts and you'll see them come to life as you serve. It talks about that in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. But here's the thing. When people say, I just want to follow my passion, please be careful with that statement because although a passion, yes, can be good, it can also be very bad. And yes, a passion is something that is hard not to do and deep within us, and we all have certain things that motivate us. But we aren't perfect people, and we do have a sinful nature about us. So a life hack on passion, make sure you center your life by the mandates of God's word and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And really take some time for self-reflection and deeply assess and think about who you are and the role you play within your family, community, and church. And I'm going to put a really big emphasis on the word think here, similar to that found in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, where we must be actively evaluating our gifts, our identity, and even ourselves ruthlessly. And the reason Romans chapter 12 verse 3 is important in relation to this evaluation is because in the original language in Romans chapter 12 verse 3, the word think is repeated three times, which highlights the idea and importance of spiritual discernment and the role of the renewed mind and the proper evaluation of yourself through the Holy Spirit. So if you're having trouble figuring out what your gifts are, I highly suggest taking some quiet time either in the morning or a quiet evening and just sit with yourself, be vulnerable, and ask yourself some of these questions. What topics or activities excite you? Do either of these keep you up at night? What excites you to jump out of bed in the morning? What activities or types of work allow for you to feel closest to God? Are there any themes when it comes to the greatest accomplishments of your life? What makes you feel like you're making a difference or making an impact on someone else's life? Now, for those of you that are saying, I already know what both my primary and functional callings are, and I already know what my gifts are, but let me ask you this. How do you know it's the right one or those are the right ones? I'll tell you a secret. Discernment. Always seek wise counsel. Are the fruits of the Spirit present in your life? Remember, your job is not to find God's will. I think a lot of us feel like we have to seek out God's will. That's not it. God calls us to draw closer to him and to live holy lives. His will for us is that holiness. 
And if you really think about it, there is no mystery to God's will when it comes to what he's called for us. Yes, there are mysterious ways in which God works that we might not understand, especially with our finite minds. And scripture boldly talks about that in Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Isaiah, and Romans. But if you're needing guidance on where to go to college or who to marry or what your job path is, that's the call to action to grow closer to God and to dig into the word and surround yourself with godly counsel and wisdom. So even if you think you know it all, keep close to your heart the importance of discernment as you navigate through this process of a calling. And alongside you praying for God's will, I also challenge you to pray for divine wisdom and Christ-like character to pour into you and flow out of you. And really have an alignment your actions, your thoughts, and your desires with God's priorities. There's a book that Charles Swindle wrote called The Mystery of God's Will. And in it, he writes, I now believe that God's will for us in this life is not some black and white objective equation designed to take us to an appointed destination here on earth as much as it is about the journey itself. It is not so much about our own well-thought-through mission for our lives as it is about what matters to him in our lives. Our human tendency is to focus solely on our calling, on where we should go, how we should get there, and what exactly we should do about it. God's concern is the process that he is taking us through to mature us and ready us, making us more like his son. In other words, all of us, including you, are works in progress. Remember that we are all interconnected. Whatever decision you make comes with responsibility, and whether you recognize it or not, your decisions will and do impact another person, either directly or indirectly. So hold a weight with that, knowing that you are accountable to others for the choices that you make. And with seeking discernment through the faithful community that surrounds you, you'll be able to tell if it's God's will or that you think is God's will is actually God's will. So in closing, I'll leave you with this. A dear friend of mine, Dr. Malachi O'Brien, super awesome human, love that guy. He was sharing with me the story yesterday and it left me absolutely speechless. So I had to share it with you guys. And I really feel like it's deeply connected to this whole topic of calling. He told me a story about a young man named William Borden and he was an heir to the Borden family fortune. And if you're from the Midwest, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But William traveled the world and always felt a growing burden uh, while growing up for the world's hurting people. And one day he decided to write home and let his family know about his desire to now become a missionary. And his family basically just short of freaked out. And it's even quoted that in his family's disbelief, they felt that William was throwing himself away as a missionary. So in response to that, William wrote two words in the back of his Bible, no reserves. And then he went to Yale. Yes, this is when Yale was (laughs) Christ-centered. And his classmates noticed something different about him. And he would write in his journal daily, say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. And yet during his first semester, the university president talked to the students about the need of having a fixed purpose. And after the speech, William was so perplexed, he wrote in his journal about the president's convocation, he neglected to say what our purpose should be and where we should get the ability to persevere and the strength to resist temptations. And then after graduation, William turned down some high-paying job offers, and it was reported that in his Bible, William wrote two words after turning those job offers down. He wrote no retreats. So on the first line, it says no reserves. Second line, it says no retreats. 
And then afterwards, William went on to do graduate work at Princeton Seminary. And when he finished his studies, he decided to go to China. And so he sailed to China. And because he was hoping to work with the Muslims, he stopped first in Egypt to study Arabic. And while he was there, he unfortunately contracted spinal meningitis. And within a month of being there, the 25-year-old William Borden, he passed away and he died. And when the news of William's death uh, came back to the United States, there was this huge wave of mourning and sadness and people were saying, what a waste. All of that just to finally get to where he wanted to go and then he dies. But here's the thing, William Borden's death was not a waste, not in God's eyes. As the story has it prior to his death, William had written two more words in the back of his Bible. Underneath the words of no reserves, and no retreats, William then wrote, no regrets. No reserves, no retreats, no regrets. What a heart that man had. My prayer for you is that this week you take some time to analyze your own calling and its relationship to your spiritual formation. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. You are loved, my friend. Go rise up. Thanks for joining us today. I hope that these words encouraged and challenged you and postured your heart for the rest of the week ahead. If you have a minute, go to the subscribe and review section of this podcast. Leave us a word or a Bible verse that you've been carrying in your heart throughout the week that keeps you encouraged and motivated. I really just want to make this podcast review space an added bookmark for that simple reminder that we're all in this together and that God's got this. Feel free to share this episode with your friends, family, or on social media. Also, for more information on Proclaim and Lead Ministry, our Bible and 365, as well as the Falkirk Center, please click the links below. We're so grateful to have you join us right here every Wednesday on Midweek Rise Up.